on Ajay, just what opportunity does he have to earn his way back to the team and what would you look for? In that well, regard? he already had that opportunity once, so um, I, I don't know what his plans are for the future. And, uh, I know our guys are excited about a great environment in Williams-Brice Stadium uh, next Saturday night and, and can't wait to see uh, Gamecock Nation uh, there for it. I can remember my first year at Georgia. Uh, Coach Kirby Smart challenged uh, get the Georgia Bulldogs to come out and support that group in year one, and they packed it out and, and had a sold-out Sanford Stadium. And, and what an amazing experience that was for so many people that were there that day, and especially, especially a lot of the recruits that were there that day that led to what you see that program is doing right now. So every day matters. Every opportunity to be in Williams-Brice Stadium matters, and, and we need Gamecock Nation to show out next Saturday night. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And we're here to finish the week strong. Got a lot of news and notes all across the SEC to get to. And, of course, we got three spring games. If you missed it on the last episode, Kentucky, Auburn, Texas A&M, all playing here on Saturday. So there's going to be a breakdowns of those games. Once those games come to conclusion, we'll be talking about those. May have a uh, little Sunday edition come out thinking about how to do that because also we've been teasing it. Reached out to uh, Matt Lindemann, the odds makers over at WinBet, who he told me Tuesday for the uh, SEC East over under win totals would be out, but uh, they've updated that. They're going to, that's coming out Friday. So Next time you hear Cousin Shane and I on the show, should be Monday, we'll be breaking down those SEC East over under win totals. But, hey, like I said, let's get on with the show because this is going to be a jam-packed episode, lots of news and notes all across the SEC. And we get, let's start in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! On the last episode of the show, we touched on Ajay Hall and the, the fact that uh, the t- talented receiver – no longer listed on the Alabama online roster, suspended from the team. Nick Saban has confirmed that. And pretty interesting kind of cryptic response. Nick Saban clearly pissed off about what's going on here with Ajay Hall. So let's kick it over to the Alabama head coach. Um, I know you probably asked me about Ajay Hall. Uh, He is suspended from the team for, you know, violations of some you know team rules whether they're you know academic or whatever it doesn't really matter um you know everybody has a responsibility and obligation to respect the principles and values and do what they need to do to they're all there to help them be more successful so to respect those and do those is always real really helpful um on a jive, just what opportunity does he have to earn his way back to the team, and what would you look for? In that well, regard? he already had that opportunity once, so um, I, I don't know what his plans are for the future. All right, so it's kind of based on these comments, it doesn't sound like Jai Hall's got much of a future in Tuscaloosa. He may be, uh, if he still is on the team, hanging by a thread. He's kind of been sending out more cryptic tweets online that suggest that he doesn't know anything about this, but that's hard to believe. So. Hey, there's a couple teams in the SEC. I'm looking at you, Arkansas. I'm looking at you, Florida. Hall's a Florida native. You got to think that uh, potentially these teams are going to throw him a lifeline because he's a very talented player, just hasn't worked yet at Alabama. And, you know, let's not write this guy off. He's only been in college for a little over a year. So 
unlimited potential for the former five-star, but to me, doesn't sound like it's going to be in Alabama. But one guy that's kind of the complete 180, another touted prospect that uh, you know has not has yet to see his time shine, but that could be this season, is Trey Sanders, the running back, who he got in a car accident, very serious here a long time ago, but he has battled back. And Nick Saban, these were some pretty high praise here from the greatest coach of college football history on just how proud he is to see Trey Sanders work his way back and you know have a pivotal role in the upcoming season. So this is going to be just another weapon. I know we're, we're hyping up Jameer Gibbs and everything he potentially brings to Alabama. Let's not forget about Trey Sanders, who's got a little Alvin Kamara in him. So let's get over to Nick Saban on Trey Sanders and his uh, journey to come back. Hey, Coach, what was the message that you wanted to get to Trey Sanders or, um, last season when he was recovering from his injuries, last offseason, excuse me? Well, you know, Trey's done a remarkable job to overcome all the adversity that he's had to overcome. Uh, I think the big thing that we tried to do was be positive, you know, with Trey because um, it was an uphill battle for him. And there was times where he would get a little frustrated, but. Uh, all in all, he was extremely positive. He worked hard. Uh, he went through, you know, tons of difficult days because um, he had to fight through a lot of not only injuries, but the pain that went with those injuries and rehab and coming back. And um, never probably been more proud of a guy for the way he fought through all that. He was able to contribute last year. And when he scored a first touchdown in the Miami game, I was like, you know, it doesn't get any better than this, you know, just my thoughts for him. So, uh, and he's had a good spring and doesn't seem to have any reoccurring problems. That's just the way things roll at Alabama. One five-star showing the door, the other on a road to redemption to prove that uh, he is worth the hype. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of role Trey Sanders has next season. But that's one guy that I think is uh, being overlooked this offseason. Could have a huge role for the Crimson Tide this fall next let's kick it on down to athens where spring football continues to roll on for the defending national champions haven't been able to say that in 41 years but the crown belongs to the georgia bulldogs and it certainly sounds like the keys to the starting quarterback job despite uh, rumors and speculation and for some reason carson beck and brock vandergriff getting all this reps with the first team unit Stetson Bennett's got a firm grasp of the offense down there in Athens, according to Kirby Smart. And uh, he even, you know, he seemed a little bothered that uh, people were even questioning that. So <laughs> just as soon as we thought there might be some quarterback drama down there in Athens, Kirby slams the door shut on that. Yeah, I don't, you know, y'all made a big deal out of that. I don't, I, it's like everything is blown out of proportion. I mean, I'm challenging him to do exactly what every player's challenged to do, right? Be the best leader, go to class, make good decisions. I mean, that's not real far-fetched for anybody, but somehow it gets spun into Stetson's like in this doghouse or something. I didn't say any of those things. So I, I think it gets misled and, and like misconstrued because when I challenge somebody, I challenge somebody every day. So Stetson has, has uh, really he's, he's taken on the role we've asked him to do. He's been a, a good leader. He's playing the best football he's played since being here, um, and he continues to get better. So, I mean, I, I want to see him continue to do that, and I, I want him to continue to get reps so he gets growth. 
but getting those other two guys reps is critical too. So we, we do a lot of strategic work on reps to make sure those guys are getting better and getting opportunities. So interesting comments here. I mean, hell, I, I'm trying to rack my brain of a quarterback that has kind of gone through more highs and lows than one Stetson Bennett in his entire career. And I just, you know, I mean, from walk-on to transfer to national champion, and there was, you know, of course, the rumors and speculation that uh, Georgia was in on Caleb Williams. So, hey, the journey for the mailman continues, and who knows? I mean, could you imagine being a walk-on, transferring down a level, coming back, and winning two national championships for a program that hadn't won one, like I said, in 41 years? That is what is in front of Stetson Bennett. And, hell, if he does it, we got to build a statue to, to this guy, don't you think? So, uh, Kirby, I, I don't know, maybe he's tested him a little bit, his mental toughness here this spring, but uh, based on those comments, clearly this is Stetson Bennett's team, and they're only going to go as far as he can take them this fall as uh, the, the defense, which is still uber-talented, but being completely rebuilt. Dan Lanning, of course, off to uh, Oregon. So Georgia, they're only going to win the SEC and the National Championship once again if Stetson Bennett can lead them there. At least that's my take on it. But two players that uh, he's going to have a lot of help from here, Lad McConkey, who just had his breakout season. And I got to credit my man, uh, Rusty Manziel, who leading up to uh, last season, he pegged Lad McConkey as, as someone to keep your eye on as a breakout candidate. I didn't know who the hell the guy was. And yet here we saw last season, I mean, he was one of the most valuable, arguably the most valuable receiver for the Georgia Bulldogs. And now he's coming back. Only a, a redshirt sophomore, I believe, is Lad McConkey. But how will he continue to progress in this offense, this pro-style attack that needs these slot receivers that will do all the dirty work but make big plays as well? And then the other guy that you keep hearing all the buzz about, Jalen Carter, who these comments made famous by uh, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network, just drooling over all the, the defensive line talent that uh, Georgia is going to be putting into the NFL draft here in the upcoming weeks ahead and notes that uh, the best defense alignment Georgia had last year returning to college because he's still got one season of eligibility, and that is one Jalen Carter. Kirby has uh, kind of harped on the fact that uh, Jalen Carter, he needs to step up. He needs to be a leader. He cannot just be uh, you know, you know, just someone oozing with talent, as he calls it. He's got to take that next step. So here's Kirby on two of his most valuable players returning this year, Lad McConkey and Jalen Carter. Yeah, he's much more confident. Um, he makes a lot of plays. Uh, he made some plays in the scrimmage the other day. He's, he's tough. He's elusive. He plays really hard. Um, and um, just, you know, he, he's what you want in your program because – Every play, he gives you everything he's got. There's, a, there's like this level of consistency with Lad that you know you're going to get his very best every day. If anything, you have to be careful how hard you work him because he, he'll do exactly what you tell him to do. He, he'll, he'll run himself until his, his, his tongue hangs out and he loses his juice because uh, he's certainly uh, better with juice. Consistency. I think. I think we. He and I have talked about stamina, and you know, he has flash plays, and he's really athletic, and just you know, playing with consistent effort because the talent is just oozing. It's a matter of can he play every play with maximum intensity and be able to sustain. You know, he he was in a he was in a 
three-man weave triangle last year, and you know it was easy to sub him because you weren't having a big drop-off when he went off the field. We need him to play more snaps this year. We need him to be on the field. We need him to be active. We need him to be able to play first, second, third in a row, not first, second, and then some thirds. So can he do that? Can he go through all-season workouts and put himself in a position to be like Trevon from a stamina standpoint? And, and Devontae worked so hard in practice that Devontae could play any number of snaps and still be fresh. Uh, we got to get Jalen to be able to do that and, uh, and lead, you know, set an example for the other players. Next on the docket here, let's kick it on down to Columbia where the Gamecocks a little over a week away from their spring game and Man, Shane Beamer, he's a good coach and a great recruiter, but he may be an even better cheerleader. I mean, this guy knows how to rally this fan base and make no mistake. You know, some people roll their eyes at that stuff. You cannot win at an elite level in college football unless you can get everybody in that fan base, in that building, in that whole department pulling in the right direction. Shane Beamer's managed to do that from day one. And I just thought this was pretty wild him coming out here and this is not the first time he's done it and the fans have responded each time when he's challenged them to come out and support the team and he does it once again here for the uh, upcoming spring game which should be one of the more interesting ones in the SEC this season and, uh, I know our guys are excited about a great environment in williams Bryce Stadium uh, next Saturday night and, and can't wait to see uh, Gamecock Nation uh, there for it I can remember my first year at Georgia uh, coach Kirby Smart challenged uh, get the Georgia Bulldogs to come out and support that group in year one, and they packed it out and, and had a sold-out Sanford Stadium. And, and what an amazing experience that was for so many people that were there that day, and especially, especially a lot of the recruits that were there that day that led to what you see that program is doing right now. So every day matters. Every opportunity to be in Williams-Brice Stadium matters, and, and we need Gamecock Nation to show out next Saturday night. But, of course, that's not all Shane Beamer had to offer up uh, during his latest media availability. They just had their first scrimmage of the spring down there in Columbia. And who's the, the guy that everybody wants to know about? Spencer Rattler. How's he looking as he transitions to uh, Marcus Satterfield's system? They're trying to surround this guy with all kinds of talent. I certainly I just did the uh, Locked On Gamecocks podcast with Keith Alsap. If you're a fan of them, go check that out. Outstanding stuff from Keith as always, but you know he's got me convinced on all the weapons that uh, they are racking up there in Columbia to surround Spencer Rattler with. How's uh, the transition going to Marcus Satterfield offense? Here's Shane Beamer with the offense out there. Yeah, Spencer was good. Um, you know, it was good to see him because for the first time he was in a uh, scrimmage setting where we're singling in plays and he's having to communicate in the huddle and the coaches aren't out there and there's SEC officials all around him and I thought he was great you know it wasn't he didn't look like a guy that was lost out there by any stretch of the imagination certainly there's some plays he would like to to have back there's no doubt about it um, you know we've got to continue to uh, make sure that the guys that he's throwing to are making plays you know for him as well but I thought he did a good job of commanding uh, the offense and, and operating and and uh, you know we all saw the areas players and coaches where we have to be better at and, and it was a good learning experience for all of us on on, on a, a, a scrimmage number one and then last little nugget here that I picked up on I thought this was pretty interesting a player ready to emerge one guy that uh, redshirt freshman here defensive lineman TJ Sanders someone that really caught Shane Beamer's eye last season 
The Gamecocks pretty loaded on that defensive line last season, so TJ started the year on scout team. Now he's going to have to step up and play a factor, I would think, for the Gamecocks and hopefully shore up that run defense this season. Shea Beamer, very high on Mr. TJ Sanders, the young defensive lineman down there in Columbia. TJ Sanders has gotten a lot of praise from a lot of coaches and players through this, I guess, spring ball. What have you seen from him in terms of growth from the time he got here to, to what you're seeing now? Yeah, I've been buying stock in TJ since like mid-October of last year because I saw what he did on the scout team all last season uh, to the point where late in the year, you know, those defensive coaches will tell you, I'm, I'm like, y'all need to just make sure you go back and watch what TJ Sanders is doing in practice because he's a guy that continues to, to get better. And uh, he was in practice. He was a bear for our offensive line to try and block in practice. Last year, he and Jakeem Green were our two scout team defensive tackles in practice. So it was great for our offensive line because they're going against those two guys each day. But it was great for, you know, you talked about TJ specifically because he, he really worked to get better last year. Uh, he's had a good uh, winner in the weight room, and, and he's a guy that continues to continue to impress. I think he had a – I think I know he had a really good day, you know, last Saturday, and we're trying to find more and more ways to give him opportunities. And he's just got – he's a great athlete. He'll tell you what a great basketball player he is if you ask him, but he's a really good athlete, and, and he's, he's, he's twitchy, he's disruptive and, and strong, and he just loves to compete. You know, he's a guy that, that – he's got great energy out there on the practice field when he's out there. All right, next team, let's kick it on Dave to Fayetteville. Woo pig. We're saying Pittman met with the media here. They also had a scrimmage, I believe it was over the weekend, but uh, first time Pittman has met with the media since that time. They've, they've had another practice in the books. But one guy that, uh, you know, I cannot wait to see in a Razorback uniform is Drew Sanders, the former five-star recruit from Alabama, transferred in this offseason and, with Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry off to the NFL, going to need someone to step up there next to Bumper Pool, who decided to come back for another season in Fayetteville. And it certainly sounds like Drew Sanders is fitting that bill. If you think about the secondary that Arkansas is going to have next season, if Drew Sanders comes in here and fills in and solidifies one of those linebacker roles as expected as he's doing this spring, I mean, the back end of that defense is potentially going to be elite for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So let's kick it over here to Sam Pittman on the impact he's seeing from Drew Sanders in his first camp as an Arkansas Razorback. Coach, I'm curious what your impressions have been of Drew Sanders and Bumper playing side-by-side side and, and what in particular has, has caught your eye about Drew this spring? Well, he's instinctive. Um, he can really run. I think he ran under 11, 11 flat, 100 meter at you know, whatever he is, he's big. Um, but he's instinctive, he can run, he's, you know, he's he kind of fits us, you know, he's tough, uh, smart. I really like him, I like him a lot. I think he's gonna be a really, really good player in this league. And and I think Drew Paul's done a nice job too. He, you know, he got a concussion, but, but I, I really like Drew and it's because of his athletic ability and he wants to get to the ball. It reminds me a little bit of, Reminds me a little bit of a bumper. You know, I, I like those two guys playing side by side. So high compliments there from Pittman on Drew Sanders. But the real question that I've got that all Razorback fans have with this defense is the defensive line after uh, losing all three starters to the NFL. Who's going to step up there? 
And of course, uh, you know, it, it was a couple weeks ago, but if you missed it, go back and check out our conversation with John Neighbors, who really harped on the fact that the uh, previous defensive line coach, I mean, my, my goodness, he didn't even get a four-star defensive lineman to even visit Arkansas. <laughs> Not less, of course, they didn't sign any, but you, you can't sign any if you can't get them to even visit campus and see uh, what they could potentially be getting if they commit to the Arkansas Razorbacks. But now they've got Deke Adams in there, SEC veteran. He's coached some of the best defensive linemen in Mississippi State history, like Jeffrey Simmons. So, you know, there's promise here in Deke Adams. Sounds like Sam Pittman likes what he has in his new defensive line coach. And two players that he said is emerging on that defensive line, which Arkansas desperately, desperately needs players to emerge there. Isaiah Nichols and Terion Carter. If Arkansas can get something out of these guys, and I got faith in Barry Odom and company to get these guys ready to play because they seemingly do it every year. Just They find these players that no one is expecting much from, and they, and they get incredible performance out of them. Uh, let's kick it over to Sam Pittman one more time on the defensive line, what he's seeing from, uh, in particular, Nichols and Carter stepping up their games. You're going to do, do more four-man down? Yeah, uh, it, that's a little bit that way on the D-line, you know, because we, we don't have a tremendous amount of numbers. You know, we got spoiled last year because we had 130 kids on the team uh, in spring. And uh, uh, so we're a little down, but we, we have looked at um, a little bit more four down uh, today. And uh, I liked it. I, you know, we went uh, inside run, and I thought – uh, you know the D line pretty much dominated us down there in that in that period, and uh, that's not to say I, I'm not worried about our old line. I don't want that to be a headline because we're going to be fine up there. We got up, you know guys that's proven they play in this league, but I do think the D line uh, for the first day I was talking to Barry on practice field uh, for the first day of, of those guys playing a, an assortment of fronts. You know whether it be four over under. Uh, three-man line. I thought they did a really good job with it, and and I think the the rise of Carter, of Torian Carter, uh, has allowed us to uh, get in that four-man front faster. I think him and Nichols by now are, are playing the best of those two of, of the entire defensive line. And last little note here on the Razorbacks, just wanted to make this a little housekeeping note here. A couple of transfers this week out of the program. Lucas Coley, who I believe was battling for third string quarterback there. He's off to the portal as his defensive lineman, Mateo Soli, who he started a number of games for the Arkansas Razorbacks, but not a big time player. So hey, you hate to lose depth on that defensive line, but uh, this may be an indication that the Arkansas Razorbacks are going to be searching for some more help on that defensive line. I know they got Landon Jackson from LSU, He's going to need to step up in a big, big way for the Arkansas Razorbacks this season. He's another one to keep your eye on. But sticking in the SEC West, let's kick it on down to Oxford. Where, of course, we got uh, one of the biggest quarterback competitions in the conference taking place. The Southern Cal transfer, Jackson Dart, the presumed favorite. Favorite in that battle, you got Luke Altmeyer, who played in the Sugar Bowl. He played against Auburn. You know, he didn't look spectacular by any means. Looked like, uh, certainly, I mean, I mean, it's unfair to even probably say this, but offense took a huge step back 
Of course, he was replacing Matt Corral, who's probably going to be a first-round pick, and had he stayed healthy, was probably going to be a Heisman finalist. So, of course, a true freshman stepping in, there's going to be a huge drop-off. How far has Luke Altmyer come this offseason is going to determine how realistic, uh, how tough of a battle this really is with Jackson Dart, who's got loads of potential. So uh, let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin. So he gives, a, he gives a brief update here on the quarterback battle. I mean, I know it's kind of coached me. Both guys have made a lot of plays, um, you know, and it's a good competition without getting into too much depth. Probably, you know, Jackson's made more plays down the field, but he's made more mistakes too, kind of big little. Where Luke's been a little more consistent that way. <clears throat> Probably what would happen, you know, knowing one guy's been in the system longer. So um, we'll see. So, not a ton there from Kiffin, but we do actually have comments from Zach Evans, the new running back down there, transferred from TCU. He gave a, a lot better comment, I thought, when asked about these quarterbacks. Uh, let's kick it over to Zach Evans real quick. Both of them boys got a, a rifle connected to their arm. Uh, so I think they switch. Now, I can't speak much about their situation, but they switch. Some go with the ones one day, and then with two the next day, and then sometimes we just alternate just to see who's going to be hot. And then once they get hot, we get it rolling like that. Now, back to Kiffin. I mean, this man is still – he's got a love affair with uh, Michael Trigg, the transfer tight end from Southern Cal. And interestingly enough, this is uh, Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, these are two players Zach Evans himself said he helped recruit to Ole Miss. Zach Evans came first and, and really got this portal ball rolling here, so to speak, in Oxford. So credit Zach Evans for doing everything he can to surround himself with some elite talent down there in Oxford. But Lane Kiffin just continues to, to praise this uh, Michael Trigg. Looks like a grown man out there who I believe he's got four years of eligibility remaining for uh, Ole Miss after just playing one season at Southern Cal. And then uh, possibly getting some some big additions here in some early enrollees. Kayshawn Judkins, a running back, and defensive back Davison Agbeninson. I'm sure I butchered that. But uh, both those early enrollees standing out to Lane Kiffin during spring camp. Lane, just in terms of the early enrolled freshmen, um, it looked like Davison and, and, and Judkins were getting some, some pretty good run. Are those guys who you could see contributing early? I do. Um, I think both those guys uh, <clears throat> have come in with a unique mindset. They don't seem like, remember these guys are really high school seniors. Uh, they don't seem that way. And so whenever you recruit guys, you see how they are as players, but you're not really sure how they're going to be um, maturity-wise once they get here. So they've done a good job learning things and, and are going in there and playing with the ones. True made some real circus-like kind of grown man catches on Saturday in that scrimmage. Uh, I know we asked you about it last week, but what are you seeing from Michael Trigg? How does he, how's he going to fit in that offense? Yeah, he's just a unique skill set. And, you know, Knox was here and we were talking about it afterwards, and you just said grown man catches. And I was trying to describe what it looks like. It's kind of like, you know, when the older guys play with the younger guys, you know, and there's the guy at, in high school playing with the junior high kids, that's kind of how he plays. He's not necessarily faster and quicker than everybody, but his ball control and his length, um, he just, you know, it's like, looks like he's, even though he's younger than them because he's a freshman, it looks like he's older than them, um, you know, playing with younger guys. It's very unique. And speaking of Zach Evans, 
you know, this is someone that uh, should fit right in to this Lane Kiffin offense and poised to have a huge, huge season. He's got something to prove as well. Coming from TCU, we, you know, all SEC fans should be should know the Zach Evans name, the saga there, Texas A&M, Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, all these schools. I believe even Alabama was battling heavily for the former five-star running back. And I believe he was the one that signed with Georgia, and then he, and then he had to get out. He's trying to get out of it, and there was so much drama there. But, you know, he had some solid seasons at TCU, but now he's got to prove it at a different level following Gary Patterson retiring there at TCU. And that is something kind of Zach Evans hit on. You know, he feels like he's got something to prove. Feels like he was underutilized at TCU. And I just, I threw in this last one just because I thought it was hilarious. But the tempo that they run there in Oxford, something that Zach Evans has never been a part of. So that was probably the biggest learning curve to uh, playing in Oxford. You feel any expectations on you? I mean, in terms of what you've done at TCU and bringing that um, I don't feel a ton of budget expectations, but I feel like it's a big difference. I feel like I got a point to prove. A lot of people feel like the competition in Big 12 is weaker, so I just want to show that I can be able to adapt. Now, me personally, I feel like I was underused. Not a knockoff against them, because I'm not saying they don't know what they're doing, but I just feel like I could have did a lot more, could have contributed a lot more to the team. Now that tempo is something serious. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not used to uh, going that fast. So at TCU, we did kind of tempo, but it was kind of like slowed down, you know, in the game. But here, I think it's every 30 seconds, like, yeah, that tempo. You really just, they, my biggest thing, they was just pushing me to get back up and keep going. Cause I was, I, after I got hurt at TCU, I was out for six months. So my biggest thing was getting back in shape. So their biggest thing for me was to just get up, keep going, keep pushing, keep running, keep running, keep running. Well, speaking of going fast, last team we're going to touch on here, the Tennessee Vols, is kicking on down to Rocky Top. Brandon Hooker, for the first time, met with the media for the first time this spring, and what a difference a year can make. And that's no exception for Hendon Hooker, who, you know, from what I'm told, he basically won the job in the spring. And how did Josh Heupel reward him? Went out and got Joe Milton. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Joe Milton was named the starting quarterback leading up to uh, the season opener against Bowling Green. Now, Hendon Hooker is the man on Rocky Top. Could have made that jump to the NFL. Came back to improve his game, to improve his stock in the NFL eyes, and, you know, to accomplish a lot more in this Josh Heupel offense. And based on his comments, and based on his comments on Thursday, Hendon Hooker is doing everything in his power to make the most of his opportunity when it comes to spending time in the facility, putting in the work behind the scenes. And, you know, one underrated aspect, just having a better understanding of when to get down, when to throw the ball away, when to slide. And, yeah, again, that that's kind of coach speak-esque type stuff. But just look at Ole Miss. And last season we were, t we were talking about Matt Corral. He was such a good quarterback, he was able to lead Ole Miss to a 10-win season. But because he – Failed to slide because he was taking so many hits, in particular this Tennessee game. I mean, he ran the ball, I think, 20, 25 times, something like that. That's going to take its toll on you, particularly when you're running so many snaps that Ole Miss and Tennessee do. Hendon Hooker has got to save himself because you cannot sacrifice yourself if you're going to have a complete season here 
for the Tennessee Vols. This is a very important lesson. And if I'm Josh Heupel, I'm telling Hendon Hooker to study Matt Corral and how last season, at the tail end of it, just he just wasn't his full 100% towards the tail end of the season. And it was evident by the drop-off in Ole Miss offense. So let's kick it over to Hendon Hooker on what he's working on this spring to be a better overall player. Uh, can you kind of talk about what you've been going through to, you know, limit the uh, wear and tear on your body, I guess? Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, you need to slide, you need to throw it away. Um, but, you know, I really just, just have a, a passion for the game to just give my all in every play, and that's really the only reason why I don't slide. But um, I'm definitely going to get some sliding in there for sure. Um, just, just taking hits off my body is, is good, not only for um, myself, but the team, they know that, I can rock and roll every day, um, bring that same energy and juice. So I'm um, just trying to stay healthy is, is the main uh, goal there. Uh, some have you as a dark horse Heisman candidate going into this season. What do you feel like it would take for you to reach that potential? Um, honestly, right now, my, my thoughts are on finishing spring ball and uh, winning ball games. Honestly, um, I feel like the accolades will come later. And then when we talked to Coach Hosley last week, he basically made it sound like you're living in the complex. How much time are you spending a day? What's a typical day like for you yeah. during during the spring with, with probably, practices? Probably about eight hours. Definitely in here about eight hours a day uh, minimum. Um, whether it's me doing recovery work in the training room in the cold tub or me on the field uh, throwing with guys or working through footwork or just simply getting signals um, just so I can be efficient. And um, also bringing guys along um, just trying to get as many guys as I, as I can in here with me and try to connect with them, not only um, as, as a teammate and a brother, but also, um, you know, translating that to on the field things and getting in the film room, watching film with them, seeing what they think and, and how they visualize um, different concepts, just talking to the receivers and also getting in with the O-line, watching film with them. Um, trying to gain their trust and, and see what they're seeing so I can make calls as they make calls as well. And then we previously featured some uh, Josh Heupel comments on Jalen Hyatt and why we continue to harp on him, former touted prospect, probably the fastest player on Tennessee's team, but he's just failed to put it all together. And Josh Heupel seeing it from him, now Hendon Hooker seeing it from him. Hendon Hooker, his best friend this uh, next season, very well could be Jalen Hyatt. I know he's got Cedric Tillman there, and it may soon have Brew McCoy. But for this offense to go to that next level, they need Jalen Hyatt to take that next step. And it sounds like he is based on Hendon Hooker. What have you seen from Jalen Hyatt so far this spring? Mm -hmm. Just him trying to increase his level of physicality. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's almost like night, night and day. Um, you know, Hyatt is a, is a speed guy and um, you know, loves to make moves up and field. So just getting him the ball and um, keeping his confidence high has been um, something that I've, I've been trying to do and um, something that I'll continue to do because his, his confidence level is, is going through the roof and his game is elevated to a whole other level. So I'm, I'm proud of the work that he has put in and the work that he's going to put in to improve his game. But it wasn't just Hendon Hooker. I mean, Jalen Hyatt also met with the media here on Thursday. And interestingly enough, love any time we get these transparent comments from these players. He maybe wasn't all he fully bought in. He talked about, uh, you know, not being at the right weight, not being re ready for the rigors of the SEC, particularly in this offense. So Jalen Hyatt on basically admitting his focus wasn't where it needed to be and studying Valus Jones Jr., who basically was a non-factor. Now 
very well could play himself into a you know a, a second or third round receiver in the upcoming NFL draft in just one season under Josh Heupel. Make no mistake, this is a money year for Jalen Hyatt, and uh, if he cannot put all the pieces together now, he never will. And it, it certainly seems like the light has turned on for Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hinden talked about just the fact that you've been uh, in the facility so much, and mm -hmm. Coach uh, Pope talked about that as well. Just talk about how you've adjusted your schedule and just trying to to stay here more and and to be more involved overall. Yeah, I had a uh, I had to look back um, last season on what I did wrong. Uh, that's what that was like the biggest thing I had to do. Uh, I had to meet with Coach Pope and Coach Burns when he was here. And just try to you know change everything that I did last season because obviously it didn't work. So um, you know we got back to the planning board. I try to stay consistent and coming in here 24/7. You know getting on judge film, just things like that, just to better myself and better this team. You referenced kind of having conversations about what went wrong last season. Is that hard as a player to sit back and kind of accept that there were things that that went wrong or were done wrong? Uh, yeah, you know it, it, it for for an athlete. And just a competitor, you know, when you're not out there with your guys every snap or just things like that, it, it you know, it gets to you. And my confidence wasn't where it was at last year. And uh, Valus, you know, he helped me along. You know, when he took the slot position, uh, he brought me, you know, he brought me uh, with him. And um, I was just learning from, you know, learning from what he did uh, in his offense. Uh, and I was struggling with it last year, and he wasn't. So um, I had to just had to take a step back, uh, just look at how Valus run his routes. Just a lot of things that he's done uh, here at Tennessee, and um, that's what I've been trying to do. So, you know, I text Bayless every time, show him film, um, and he's been helping me through this process. And last little bit here from Hyatt, I mean, a little bit of a mutual love affair here. Uh, he seems just amazed at the work and the effort that Hendon Hooker is putting in behind the scenes to be the leader of this Tennessee football team. How much more confidence have you seen in Hendon Hooker this spring and also the connection that you two are able to work with now as well? Yeah, that was one thing uh, right after the Purdue game. Um, uh, I think we were up here, uh, I want to say a week later, uh, and just me and him just running routes one-on-one, -on -one, just route ball in air, just trying, to, just trying to get the connection between us. Um, and, you know, I, I I'm very happy of uh, what Hook has been doing. Uh, he's in here 24-7. Every time I come in here, he's already in here. Um, the process that he's, you know, taken from year one to year two in his offense uh, is just, it, it surprised me because he just, you know, he wants it very badly. You know, he, he's aggressive, and that's what I like about him. All right, so, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Wanted to finish the week strong, get you guys one more podcast before the weekend hits. Be on the lookout uh Possibly this weekend may put out an episode on Sunday recapping uh, the Kentucky, Auburn, and Texas A&M spring game. Haven't figured out how I'm going to do that just yet because Shane and I, again, are we're anticipating the SEC East over under win totals to come out Friday. So that's probably going to be the show topic on Monday. So we're going to try to figure this out. But uh, we're certainly going to be covering those spring games in some form or fashion. But, uh, yeah, enjoy the SEC football. Soak it in because once, once we get this action, we're not getting Kentucky, Texas A&M, or Auburn for months. So soak it up. Soak it in. Enjoy some SEC football. And we'll catch you on the next one.